Amen. Well, it would be my joy if you would join me in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, a familiar story, maybe one of the most familiar stories in the gospel of Luke. And uh, pray that the Lord would use it today to draw us to the heart of our Father. You know, one Puritan said one time that, that preaching sometimes is like a a man who travels all the way to the ocean and sees the beauty and the glory and the awe that is the ocean and, and tries to dip his hands in the ocean and travels miles back to his people to say, look, look, look at the ocean. L look. What I'm saying is it's, it seems like an impossibility. But my prayer today is that the Father himself would show us his love and his grace, his joy that he can only show us through the power of his spirit. Luke chapter 15 says this, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, What man of you, Having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But, but the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe 
and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and as he came and draw, drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you. And I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Let's pray together. Father, your word is enough to surprise us this morning, Lord. And we ask that you would surprise us, startle us with the love and the joy and the grace, Lord, that you have. You have for us because of your one and only Son. Lord, I pray, Lord, that if there's someone here clinging to sin today or, or there's someone who is sitting in their self-righteousness feeling like they're okay in and of themselves without your grace. Lord, even as Brad said a minute ago, we beg you to surprise us. We beg you to take us to the ocean that we for ourselves might see your love and your joy and your grace that is lavish for sinners like us. Lord, would you do this for your great glory and for the joy of this room, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we come to probably one of the most familiar passages in Luke. If you think about the whole Bible, it's really one of the most familiar passages in all the Bible. You could probably think Adam and Eve, Noah and the ark, David and Goliath, Jesus and the cross, all these stories would probably come to people's minds as the most familiar stories. But, but most people in this room, even most people out on the streets, probably have had, heard of the prodigal son. The prodigal son. This is a beautiful chapter, one of the most beautiful chapters in the Bible that pulls back the curtain to reveal the heart of God who is pursuing sinners. The heart of God that not only pursues sinners like you and me, but rescues and rejoices over them. This morning, though, uh, I'm wondering, even though we're so familiar with this story, I'm wondering if our hearts are familiar with this story today. I'm wondering if... Is our heart familiar this morning with the heart of the Father? 
I'm wondering, does your heart know the reality of a loving father who would love you and delight in you and rejoice over you? This is the gospel reality for all who have been pursued and rescued by the Father. For everyone who is in him today, this is your eternal reality, and this is your reality right now in this moment. If you're in Christ, the Father loves and delights in you. See, Luke 15 is a revelation of the heart of the Father to scandalous and self-righteous people like you and like me. And I'm praying that all of us this morning would be surprised, startled, stirred up by his love, by his joy, by his grace that would leave us undone, that would leave us with nothing to prove, nothing to protect, but just to rest and rejoice in him. See, this story pulls back. These three stories pull back the curtain that we see the heart of God in the gospel. We see that something loved is lost. And then something lost, that which is loved, that which is lost is found. And when it's found, it's worth rejoicing over. It's worth rejoicing over. See, first we see that in all three of these stories, something Loved is lost. In the first story, it's the lost sheep who strayed from the fold. The second story, it's the lost coin that's lost in the house of a woman. And in the last story, it's the lost son who's wandered away to a far country. Every single one of these stories illustrates that something precious, something precious to the owner has been lost. All of these things, the sheep, the coin, the, the younger son, they are loved and adored and precious and treasured to the one they belong to. Love so much that they would stop everything. That they would do anything, leave everything, sacrifice everything to find what was lost. And these stories illustrate our lostness. How our hearts, we sing sometimes at church, are prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I was reading just this week in Hosea chapter 11, and this is how the Lord says it there. He says, my people are bent on turning away from me. That's the heart of a wayward sinner. Our hearts in our sinful flesh are are bent away from the Lord. This is all of us. This was all of our realities. Our our natural pull is away from the Lord to wander away, to stray away, and we need someone to pursue us. We're desperate for the Lord to come after us, to chase after the ones that he loves. Something loved was lost, but we see also that something lost is found. In the first story, the shepherd leaves the 99 to go and find the one lost sheep. In the second story, it's the woman who unceasingly sweeps her house till she finds the one lost coin. And lastly, it's the son who 
comes home to a father who's been waiting and watching. Who's constantly been looking towards the horizon. All these stories illustrate how even though we are hell-bent after pursuing our sin, oh, our Father is heaven-bent on pursuing us. He is fixated on His people, on pursuing and finding that which is precious to Him. That which He loves, that which He adores, His sons and daughters that He loves. His sons and daughters that he would give his one and only son for. This is the breathtaking heart of the Father. Even when we were relentlessly pursuing our sin and couldn't care less about the Father, the Father was relentlessly pursuing us, running after us. Do you see that this morning? Like, does your heart believe that this morning, that, that, that you were the one lost sheep, that, that he would leave the 99 to come after you? Do you believe that you were the one lost coin, that he would not stop searching? He would not stop searching until he had you back to himself. You were the lost son that the father set on the porch looking towards the horizon, longing to see your face again, waiting for you. Then we see finally that what's lost is found and what's found is worth rejoicing over. We see that in every story. The shepherd calls everybody he knows. He starts celebrating, rejoice with me. This is worth rejoicing over. The, the woman with the lost coin, she calls all her friends, all her neighbors, rejoice with me, rejoice with me, for I found my coin that was lost. The, the father kills the fattened calf, and he throws a giant celebration. He throws a party. He's shouting, rejoice with me. All of these stories, listen, all of these stories paint a beautiful picture of the heart of God for sinners like you. Just like you. They reveal the heart of God, not a heart that's disappointed, not a heart who's got his arms crossed and frustrated and tapping his foot that's frustrated with you. No, the heart of God that loves you. In fact, these stories are illustrating that the one who rejoices the most, the one who is the happiest, is the Father. It is the, the Father. Look at verse 7. He says, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or in verse 11, he says, there is joy before the angels of God over one, one sinner who repents. Do you know who is before the angels of God? Think about that. Who is before the angels of God rejoicing and singing and shouting? The happiest of heaven is the Father. 
the happiest of heaven is the Father. Do you know the word prodigal actually means lavish? To be extravagant, to be freely giving. And so, yes, it's it's right and proper to call the, the prodigal, the younger son, the prodigal son, because he is spending everything he has recklessly, giving up everything he has recklessly, freely sinning in the far country. And in a way, it's it's proper and right to call the older son. A prodigal. Because he's lavish in his self-righteousness. He's lavishing praise on himself and confidence in himself. But as Tim Keller's pointed out, the most lavish, the most extravagant of all is our prodigal God. Who is lavish in his love. The father who is ridiculously and, and scandalously generous with his grace for sinners, pouring out grace on people like you and like me. The Father who's extravagant in his joy, who holds nothing back in his delight for us, holds nothing back in his delight for you. Now the clearest place that We don't just see the heart of God for us, but we see the work of God to save us is the cross. We witness the heart of the Father most clearly, his love most lavishly, his grace most generously, his delight overflowing when we see Jesus on the cross. Because listen to Romans 8.32. It says, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? This is the logic of the Apostle Paul. Paul saying, if he wouldn't spare Jesus, you have no reason this morning to doubt his love. If if he wouldn't withhold his one and only precious son, you don't have any reason to doubt his grace. If he would give up his son for you, then would he not pour out his joy and his delight in you? Brothers and sisters, our heavenly father wants us, is inviting all of us into this gospel reality this morning. The great pursuer of sinners is inviting us this morning, saying, this morning, Christ Fellowship, rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. He's inviting you not only to repent and to believe in Jesus. No, he's inviting you to rejoice in him and rejoice with him. He invites us to, to drown, to be drowned in his lavish love for us. To be overwhelmed that God delights in us. He doesn't delight in us because of our sin, but he delights in us because of his son. Listen, this is not a time for grumbling like to, for grumbling with the Pharisees. This is a time to rejoice with all of heaven 
He's inviting you to join the party of heaven when you repent and to join the party of heaven when anybody repents and and even to join the mission of heaven to go out and pursue sinners and to call sinners into repentance and to call sinners into joy in Bowling Green and to the ends of the earth. Come, not just repent and believe, but come and find joy and delight and grace in the Father. It's waiting for you. When we truly grasp the heart of God, if you truly grasp the heart of God this morning, and again, this is me, again, trying to bring water here from the ocean, but pray that the Holy Spirit would help us grasp the heart of the Father. Because if we grasp his heart, we will rest in his love like never before. We, we will drown in his delight like never before. But listen, we don't always do this, do we? We're not always here, are we? Like right now, the, there's some reluctance. There's some reluctance in some of our hearts that say, you know, he would never feel that way about me. He can never delight in me like that. There's some barriers in our hearts saying, saying he would never run after me. I can't imagine him watching for me. Some barriers in our hearts. and The first barrier is this. There's some barriers in our hearts, and here's the first one. There, there is something better than the love and joy of the Father. That's a barrier that we see in this story, a lie that we believe, that there's something better than the love and the joy of the Father. And we see it in the younger son who asks for his inheritance early but before his father dies. That's really unusual. Dad, I know you're not dead yet. I'm not supposed to get anything, but I want it, I want it now. He's young. He, he's wild at heart, and there's a far country calling his name a world calling after him, and his heart is bent towards it. Sinful hearts are bent towards it. So the younger son squanders all his inheritance, he says. Spends everything till he has nothing, chasing sin until he wakes up with the pigs. And to a Jewish audience waking up, after feeding the pigs, now living with the pigs is the last place that you would want to be. The far country has been found wanting. It's lacking in all that it had promised to lavish on him. The far country, the world, it promises, hey, we can satisfy you. I will satisfy you. Only it never delivers. Promises to bring a joy that it can never deliver. Every single one of us have been to the far country. If we were honest, some of us are in the far country right now. The far country that, that promises to be better than being at the, in the home of the lavish love of the Father. The far country that, that somehow promises to be greater than the extravagant joy of heaven. But it can't be. 
Like it's, it's an in, eternal impossibility for sin, for any sin of this world to be better than Jesus. It's an impossibility for any sin to be better than Jesus. But we've all heard the siren songs of the world. We've all heard the lies of the world just like the younger brother. For some of us, maybe it's the temptation of those pictures scrolling across your phone late at night. Maybe it's the temptation that money will be more satisfying. Stuff will be more satisfying. Possessions will be more satisfying. Maybe it's the lie that being known by people, being loved by people, being approved of by people, applauded by people, is somehow better than being known and loved and approved of by your father. Listen, young people in here today, if you're six years old or eight years old, 12 years old, listen, the, the rest of your life, you, your whole life, this world's going to tell you that something's better than Jesus. That sports is better than Jesus. That stuff is better than Jesus. That popularity is better than Jesus. And it'll never satisfy. It'll never bring you the joy that it promises. This morning, what's your far country? What's the one thing that you're hearing is better and believing is better than Jesus? I pray that the Holy Spirit would, would give us the same thing that he gave that prodigal son, that he would come to, we would come to our senses, the Bible says. He, we came he came to himself, that the Spirit would bring us to our senses to show the emptiness of this world, the emptiness of our sin, and the enoughness of Jesus, the complete sufficiency of the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's the first barrier, keeping you from the joy and the love of the Father, that something is better than him. The second barrier is that there's a way to lose the love and joy of the Father. There's a way you can lose the love and joy of the Father. When the younger son comes to his senses and he realizes he's been lost, he, he thinks about his father's servants growing up. And he, and he thinks about how his father's servants had more than enough food. And he's sitting here with the pigs. He's over here lying in a famine. Lying in hunger. And so he begins to, to practice his speech, to rehearse what he's going to say to his father. It's almost like we can see him in the mirror looking in verse 18, rehearsing. Father, I've, I've sinned against heaven. And before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as your hired servants. He sees himself as unworthy to be called a son. Unworthy of his father's love and forgiveness. And, and this is a heart that's been humbled. This is what true repentance looks like. When you come to the end of yourself and you know my only hope is grace. My last shot is grace. Some of us probably feel just like the younger son this morning. I'm not worthy to be called his son. 
I'm not worthy to be called his daughter. I'm not worthy of his love. There's a word for this. It's called shame. It's it's a sense of being unclean or unworthy. To being outcast. To being rejected. And really deep down, I, I think we feel this way because we think our Father loves like us. We feel this way because we think the Father loves like us. And, and, and we look at ourselves and we know that our love is inconsistent. And I know my forgiveness for other people is pretty fickle. And I know my joy is up and down. And so I feel like the Father in heaven would be the same with me. But praise the Lord that, that the Father doesn't love like us. Praise the Lord that he doesn't love like us for the son has no idea what's waiting for him. And and probably the most beautiful verse in all the Bible, verse 20 says this, And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. While the son had run off and forgotten the father, the father couldn't have forgotten him. The father could not have forgotten his sons and daughters. The picture in this story is is the father's constantly looking to the horizon, watching and waiting, longing to see his son. And the one thing that you would never, ever, 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 ever see in that culture was a grown man running. It just wasn't going to happen. You would never see a grown man running. Every person listening would have thought this is unheard of. It would be seen as undignified. It would have been an embarrassment for this man of honor, but, but not for a father filled with compassion. Not for a father who was longing to lavish love and forgiveness on his son. He comes running after us. I picture the son trying to get out his best speech, right? He's been practicing. Father, I've, I've sinned against heaven, but, but love and grace cuts him off before he could get it off. Like love and grace cut him off to say, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this my joy. My, My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The son comes just begging to be a servant. But the father says, no, remember, you're my son. He says, he's saying to him, your your sin hasn't lessened my love for you at all. I've never stopped loving you for a second since I set my love upon you. Your sin hasn't diminished my delight in you. I've been watching and waiting for this day. Listen, the The father didn't pursue you and rescue you for you to live like an orphan in his kingdom. 
I'll say that again. The Father didn't pursue you and rescue you so you would live like an orphan in his kingdom. I wonder if there's a, a daughter that needs to hear today that your father delights in you. Your heavenly father delights in you. Maybe your earthly father you've never felt delighted in, loved and cherished and treasured and adored. But because of Jesus, the father wants you to hear today, I delight in you. I delight in you. And I know if you're anything like me, there are a bunch of sons feeling shame this morning that need to hear that there is zero reluctance to the Father loving you this morning. There is zero resistance in the heart of God to love you this morning. And this morning, even in the midst of your broken repentance, the Father's waiting to start rejoicing. Waiting to rejoice in delight in you. There's a final barrier, and the final barrier is this, is there's a way to earn the love and joy of the Father. That's, that's a barrier. That's a lie that we believe, that there is a way to earn the love and joy of the Father. And clearly the whole chapter is driving us towards the field, driving us to this older brother, the older brother who represents all the Pharisees who are watching Jesus welcome and receive and eat and laugh with sinners. So while the younger brother thinks he's too far gone for grace, the older brother thinks he just doesn't need it. He doesn't see his need for grace. We find the older brother out in the field, and he hears singing and dancing up at the house. And so he asks the servant, he says, what's going on up there? Like, what's happening up there? I hear the music playing and the servant says, your brother has come home. Now immediately, the older brother should have dropped everything and come running and rejoicing with everyone in the house and with all of heaven. But he stays in the field angry. He stays out in the field grumbling. His heart is bothered by grace instead of rejoicing in grace. What's going on in the older brother's heart? Well, if you look at it on paper, it's like, man, I don't know. He kind of looks, looks right. I mean, he didn't squander everything. He didn't spend all of his daddy's inheritance. He didn't run off. He'd been here all the time. But there's a way to be far from home, even when you're there. He was missing that nobody is in the kingdom because of their goodness. The only way you're in the kingdom is because of grace. Nobody's in the kingdom because of your goodness, because of your performance. You're only in the kingdom because of the Father's grace. Pouring out that grace through the life, death, and resurrection of his one and only son. But this is exactly what happens in our hearts. When my heart 
when I start to grumble about the good things happening to someone else and loves lavished on someone else and rejoicing over someone else, I'm forgetting grace. When I'm competing, when I'm trying to perform, when I'm trying to pr prove myself, when I'm trying to protect myself, when I'm comparing myself with others, what's going on in your heart in that moment? You're forgetting grace. You're forgetting that all of this is because of the grace of the Father, the grace of Jesus Christ. I'm forgetting that it's not my righteousness that welcomes me home. It's Jesus' righteousness. I'm forgetting amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Listen, I'm sure there's a heart this morning that, that needs to hear the Father loves you. Not because of you, but because of Jesus. The Father loves you and delights in you, not because of anything you've done, but because of what Jesus has done. And there's nothing you could ever do to decrease the Father's love for you in Jesus. And there's nothing you can do to increase the Father's love for you in Jesus. He loves you fully and forever the same way he loves Jesus right now because of Jesus. Only because you're hidden in him. And if you've never repented of your sins, never ran from your sins and trusted in Jesus, you can Receive the rescue of Jesus right now. You can experience the rejoicing of the Father in this moment. I love that the Father comes out to the older son in the field. Comes out to the older son in the field full of grace. Think about that. The Father didn't have to come out there. He didn't have to come to those who are self-righteous, for those who think they're good enough, to those who think they performed all right, that they don't need him. But the Father comes out, out and invites them to rejoice. Listen, this morning, don't, don't miss out on the joy of heaven because you think you're too good for grace. Don't miss out on the joy of heaven, the, the eternal joy of heaven because you think you don't need Jesus this morning. Don't miss out on the joy of heaven seeing a sinner repent who's desperate for Jesus just like you. There should be zero reluctance in rejoicing in a sinner coming to Jesus just like there's zero reluctance in a father because that's your story. That's my story. I was reading a biography not too long ago about Brennan Manning. Brennan Manning, who Pharisees hate a whole lot because he talks about the lavish grace and love of God. And this man in the foreword was writing this story about the first time that he heard Brennan Manning preach. The first time he heard him, and he came in late, and he was only there for 10 minutes. But he said, after those 10 minutes, he said, I was undone. For hours after that. 
For three hours, I sat undone because of one sentence that Brennan Manning said in that sermon. He said, I heard Brennan Manning say, the father is very, very fond of me. The father is very, very fond of me. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that the Holy Father in heaven is very, very fond of you? That he loves and delights in you because of his only son, Jesus Christ, who lived and died and rose again for you? Do you believe that he would leave the 99 for you? Do you believe that he would not stop searching until he found you? Do you believe that that he would run after you when he saw you even in your sin while you were still a sinner from a long way off, that he would come and run and embrace and kiss you and rejoice over you? Do you believe that? Do you believe that he doesn't just love you, but he likes you? That the Father is very, very fond of you. I hope you believe that this morning because you cannot outrun the grace of Jesus. The love of the Father. So this morning, do you believe that the Father is very, very fond of you? Or are you just going to stay in the far country? Or are you going to stay out in the field? Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you would lavish your love upon us by the power of the Holy Spirit that that Romans 5 says you pour your love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit Lord would you lavish us with your love Lord would you be generous in your grace Lord would you would you delight in your people would you rejoice over us because of Jesus this morning Lord, I pray for any sinner that's here today that that maybe has believed the lie that there's a far country that's more satisfying, that's better than the love and joy that you can give them. Lord, I pray that they would see the foolishness of their sin. They would see the emptiness of this world, and they would see the complete sufficiency, the enoughness of Jesus. Lord, I pray that for any sinner that's filled with shame, that that feels unworthy, it feels not lovable this morning. Lord, I pray that you would remind them that they're sons and daughters of yours if they're trusting in Jesus. That you delight, you delight in them as your daughter. That you love them as your sons. And Lord, I pray for any of us sitting in our self-righteousness, fooled by the thought that we could be enough, that our performance, our trying hard, our our doing better, being better than other people could be enough to earn your love, to earn your grace. Lord, I pray we would repent today, that we would repent of our sin and our self-righteousness to experience your love, your grace, you rejoicing over us like never before. 
Lord, I pray that our hearts would be surprised by the ocean of your love and grace and joy. All because of what Jesus has done for us. Lord, do this for your glory and our joy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.